Hey everyone, a quick word on today's episode. We actually recorded this one a few weeks back before the coronavirus unfortunately had everywhere on lockdown. We talk about some drills in this interview that you can do to better your game, but obviously want everyone to be as safe as possible out there, and that includes your workouts. Uh, we still want to share our guest story and think there's some bits you can pull from the interview to work out from home. You can always check out the Hustle app as well for more options on that front. But now, without further ado, to the interview. I hope you enjoy. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Hustle With Us. We have a brand new edition for you this week, a brand new sport for you this week. But more importantly, we got Mr. Craig Mushino always joining us this week. Craig, how we doing? I'm not brand new, but I'm doing well. <laughs> exactly. We got the old fundamentals here, and uh, we certainly get a little fundamental talk with our upcoming guest, Mr. Martin Bowes. Martin hails from the Northeast runs his own lacrosse academy up there, Compete Lacrosse Academy. You can check him out on competelacrosseacademy.com. You can also check him out on all his social media pages at MJ Bowes, B-O-W-E-S on the last name there. Craig, I mean, we haven't spoken, we haven't talked a lot about lacrosse on this podcast, but what do you think about the introduction here? No, it's great. I'm really glad that we're able to expand into additional sports like lacrosse, a, a sport that's growing the way that it is. And I think that Martin was just a really interesting person to talk with, not just because of uh, his coaching tips, but I think also his story. You know, he, he's a, a really great definition of someone with a lot of grit in this sport. You know, he tells us about how he wasn't recruited out of high school, but still played in college, was the last pick in the professional draft and, and played in uh, the pros and had and continues to have a successful pro career and has been able to kind of parlay that into a successful business. So he's got a lot of grit. I love the story. Um, also, later on in the interview, Tristan, I really liked how um, he told us about how he um, controls the controllables and, and how many different things there are in there, especially when he talked about diet and nutrition. I think that's always helpful for our athletes out there listening. No doubt. Um, so yeah, just a, a really great interview, a good Absolutely. introduction to lacrosse for us. Absolutely. Yeah. Some folks might not be too familiar out there. Some folks might want to dip their toe in that water. Martin is a great introduction to uh, both his process and how he goes about training his guys, whether they're experienced, whether they're new and really getting inside your mind and giving you that individual attention that you need to flourish to reach whatever goals you, you, you're setting for yourself. Like I said, he's big on the fundamentals. Like you mentioned, he came up at a time where it was a little different, the college recruiting process and getting to play in college and the professional. I mean, he talks about that whole landscape changing, seemed like pretty rapidly. I mean, we just had a new lacrosse league, professional lacrosse league start up this past year in the PLL, very different model from the MLL. But, you know, he touches on all of that and sort of where he sees it going. So you may definitely want to tune into that. It's also a little bit later in the interview, but we get into the fundamentals, the drills a little bit earlier as well, which I know is the main reason why you all came here today. Let's get right into it here. Before we do, you know the drill. Scroll down on whatever feed you're listening to. Give us that five-star rating if we're so lucky. Make sure you're telling your friends all about the Hustle With Us podcast. And while you're on your phone there, go ahead to all your social media pages and follow at Hustle With Us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
uh, whatever you're lurking on. We'd love to see you. We'd love to hear from you. But let's get right to it here, our interview with Coach Martin Bowes. Can't get to the gym? The Hustle Sports training app has you covered. We've loaded up on the best at-home skills development drills and workouts for baseball, basketball, lacrosse, soccer, and volleyball. Our drills and workout routines have been developed by professional trainers and can be done in the comfort of your own home, whether you're stuck inside during the off-season or in quarantine for the next few weeks. Get it for free at hustletraining.com. All right, here we go. All right, welcome in, everyone. We have with us on the line a very special guest. This guy, he is a new to our world, really, because we're bringing in the lacrosse Bassett here, which we have never done on this podcast before. We got Coach Martin Bose with us. He's hailing here from the Northeast. He's at MJ Bose on Instagram and Twitter. That's B O W E S on the last name there. He's also an owner and a coach at Compete Lacrosse Academy just south of Boston. Coach, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for the intro. I appreciate you guys having me on. Absolutely. No, you deserve it. You've definitely paid your dues here in the sport of lacrosse. In your experience, you played a little bit professionally for a couple of teams there in the MLL, that's Major League Lacrosse, and definitely want to hear your story there. So let's kind of peel it back a little bit. Let's start from square one. You played in Quincy, Massachusetts, where you hail from. You played high school lacrosse there, moved on to play at Hartford University, where you played all four years, Division One lacrosse, and then moved on to professional. What really gave you that drive, and, and what was really the domino effect, so to speak, of making you choose lacrosse as that professional sport you wanted to, you wanted to follow. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, you know, there's a lot we could say that I, that I could attest to, but I, I always had a vision to play professional sports, you know, from as long as I can remember, literally I could remember watching space jam. Actually it was basketball that I really thought it was going to be. And I don't know. I, I think I just was innately a, a, a jock. You know, I always wanted to play sports growing up but I wanted to play everything. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I was really drawn to lacrosse because it really is a combination of so many different sports and, you know, coming through the middle school ranks, I started to transfer my attention from basketball to lacrosse as far as all the extra time that I would put in, you know, I didn't really realize at the time I was just having fun, but I was practicing like every single day and it was just innate. So coming into the high school ranks, I didn't really know what, high level lacrosse looked like growing up in Quincy it's not a hotbed for lacrosse by any means and so by the time I was a, a senior in high school I started thinking about playing at the next level which in my case ended up being uh, University of Hartford I really didn't have much expectation of what you know what that entailed and, and what even the next level after that would, would look like but I had always had that vision in the back of my head to be a professional athlete so I think a lot of it was innate. Some of it was definitely luck, you know, some good timing. You know, I, I met with the right people at the right time. And by the time 2012 rolled around, which is when I graduated from Hartford, there was a, a coaching change on the Boston Cannons, the, the, the pro team out of Boston here. And that was the same time that I had gotten drafted. So I was actually the very, very last pick in the 2012 collegiate draft. So Mr. Irrelevant coming into the league and I very much was irrelevant when I first joined the league because I didn't get playing time to start but I think that's a big part of my story too where I was always sort of working my way upwards I didn't have high expectations from any of the coaches that I played for until I sort of earned it 
Real so, quick there, Martin. Yeah, you said I, that you said that it wasn't Quincy wasn't necessarily a hotbed for lacrosse. Now, mm-hmm. did you get any? Maybe we have some young lacrosse players out there, young athletes that are playing lacrosse in addition to other sports. Did you get any grief from folks once you really decided to commit to lacrosse for you know picking this sport that may not be as popular as your basketball, or your football, or baseball? Yeah, or no, that's an interesting lines? question. I didn't get any grief, but I, I definitely got some side eyes. Like. I think for more, it was more about like, what is that? You know, like I didn't even know that they had that in college or whatever, right? Like people would come to lacrosse games in Quincy and it was always like, you know, a large percentage of the people watching, it was their first time seeing it, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think when I said I was going to go on to play a college sport, you know, I don't think I caught any grief, but I definitely caught some some confusion. (laughs) We'll leave it at that. Sure. Yeah, but it turned into a, an opportunity to play in college. Can you tell us a little bit about the recruiting process for lacrosse players coming out of high school Definitely. into D1 programs? Definitely. What I can say, I can speak on this a bit, but what I, what I think is important to note here is the drastic amount that this has changed over the last decade. So when I was, quote, I mean, I didn't get recruited. So technically, part of my story is that I walked on at the University of Hartford and when you play lacrosse right now, so, you know, for anyone who's listening who either has a child or, you know, is currently playing lacrosse at the youth or high school level, it's kind of a dog-eat-dog world right now for, for recruiting. So, you know, you got to kind of put a mixtape together. you got to be playing on a club team. You know, you got to go to these showcase tournaments, and you really got to show out to garner the attention of a potential college coach. That just wasn't true when I was coming up. It, it's really drastically changed to this point. So in my case, there was a lot of recruiting that was going on, but it was not nearly as prevalent as it is now. And so I, I, I think a part of that is great timing for, for me because I, if I was coming up with the skill level that I had, you know, as a high school player, I don't know that I would have gotten any looks, you know, same. I, I didn't when I was that age, but, you know, these kids that are coming up right now, it's very, 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 very competitive you know, to get the attention of a college coach. So one thing that I like to stress, you know, to the players and the parents that I work with is there's a lot of different ways that you can get there. You know, it's not like you have to get this scholarship by the time you're a sophomore, junior in high school, you know, and that's the only option because some kids do get that sort of attention and, and, you know, they are receiving the attention of a college coach at that age and they're, you know, committing to these schools at that age. But, there's so many stories of kids that are, you know, not getting recruited until their senior year of high school, or they go to some showcase after they've graduated from high school and they get a look, or in a lot of cases, they, they you know, get an opportunity to try out in a college program and, you know, they walk on and, and end up making a name for themselves. So I was definitely lucky in a lot of regards in that I, I got the opportunity to walk on for a team that it was the right size program. You know, they weren't like top 20 at the time. And so the coach got to take a chance on me and uh, it obviously ended up working out pretty well. Yeah. You talk about in the pros being the last draft pick and then being a walk-on. I I feel like that takes a lot of grit, a lot of opportunities where you need to prove yourself. Is that kind of your experience as a walk-on? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's actually like one of the staples of my story for sure as you're kind of seeing with those two big scenarios, one being, you know, not getting recruited and two being being the very last pick in the draft. But I think it was an advantage. Like, you know, one of the things that I try to impart on the the clients that I work with is, 
you know, like seeking out adverse situations, right? You know, I can't tell you how many, obviously I won't name names, but how many, you know, of these players that there's all this hype, like, oh, this guy's going to be that good. And like, he's coming into this next level and, you know, he's going to be this star. And in some cases they come in and they, and they do okay, but there's not always a lot of longevity. Right. And, and I think there's dozens and dozens and dozens of, of stories, you know, that I have personal relationships with these people that they were doubted. And, and, you know, obviously I would be in that boat as well, where there was no expectation for me. And so I took that as a opportunity to put a chip on my shoulder and, and I just continued to work. I had a vision for myself to, to play at this level and the lack of expectation that, that others had in me ended up being a bit more fuel to the fire. Sure. That's, I mean, you definitely need that, like Craig said, that grit to really get to that next level. But also, when you get that mindset, there's nothing that can beat it. Now, you go on from University of Hartford to play professionally. Uh, you played for a few teams there. Do you have any favorite memories from playing professionally? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I do a lot of reflecting on it. And more than anything, it turns out to be like the relationships that I've built, right? Like there's other players that, you know, I've spent time with, you know, for years and years and years, it's, you know, I get on a plane every single weekend to go play in, in a different city. And, you know, so are my you know 19 other teammates. And so there, there's this different level of camaraderie at the professional level that comes with the lifestyle, because, you know, when you're playing college lacrosse, you're with these guys six days a week, you know, it turns into seven days a week, you know, you're practicing those six days a week. And it, it it's quote unquote easier to, build these very, very deep and strong bonds, you know, with these people that you're spending so much time with. But when you get to the professional level, at least in this sport, you really only get about 36 hours together. And so when you play on a Saturday night, we probably all flew to that city on Friday afternoon and we had a little practice on Friday night, maybe a, a walkthrough on Saturday morning, play Saturday night, fly home Sunday morning. When you start doing that week after week after week, you start to understand how, how crucial those hours are together and, and it turns into this intense brotherhood of those you know moments that you have together because it's so few and far between mm-hmm. uh, that you need to kind of squeeze the life out of the time that you have and so you know I guess there, there's maybe one or two games that I could probably look back to and be like oh like you know this was one of the more fun like for example there was a, a game in Denver where I got to play in front of like 30,000 people because they wow. it was like a July 4th game and that that was one of the profound like wow like you know this is this is pro sports this is pretty cool but you know when I reflect on it, it, it it's always it's always the people that I think about most. Mm-hmm. So you say that you would meet together on, on Friday afternoon for a Saturday game. Does that mean that each person individually was responsible for their own training during the season? That's correct. Yep. So we would, a lot of times, you know, in more, honestly, a majority of the time, the guy, like say, I, I played for Boston. I live in Boston. I, I'm, I'm one of the few. There's a more of the, of the league, you know, you, you live, in Toronto, you live in, you know, maybe out West, you live in New York and, and you could play for Florida. There's two years I played for Florida. I didn't move there. Mm-hmm. You know, I stayed, I stayed in Boston and uh, yeah, that, that's exactly correct. So you're, hmm. you're responsible for your own training throughout the week, you know, and that's a big change from, from college to pro. What was your kind of strategy in, in keeping in shape? Did you, you know, join, yeah. join a kind of workout group? Did you have a lacrosse crew that you're working with there? Is that where your lacrosse coaching really started? 
yeah, actually, in a way it is. I had a uh, relationship with a trainer by the name of Joe Drain when I was in college. So I, I sought him out. He ended up just being like a, a local, you know, strength and conditioning coach that I had met through actually my father. But I spent one summer with him training in college and I was going into my junior year and, and I had my breakout season, you know, and so I really built some momentum working with him. And so after college, as I mentioned, I, I didn't get playing time when I first joined the pros. And so I sought him back out and said, Hey, I want to take this more seriously. Can you help me? And of course he, he could. And that was the start of our relationship, which has now grown into, you know, multifaceted and it's a dynamic relationship that we have for both a trainer, athlete, friend, and uh, and business partner. And I was really, really fortunate to, to have someone like that because he's a, a specialist in strength and conditioning, but he really focuses on speed and agility. And so as a lacrosse player, you know, that, that was my edge. When I came into the pros, I was able to be in really, really good shape and be, you know, incredibly, you know, fast and be able to cut and, and move really well and also prevent injury. You know, like that's, that, that's, I think, a big part to the longevity that I've been able to have is, is um, staying healthy. So let's talk a little bit about Complete Lacrosse Academy. When did you decide, hey, I'm going to start this business or, hey, I can do this. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for this. Tell us a little bit about sure. that process. Yeah, that, it was pretty organic just because I, you know, if you're going to play professional lacrosse, you, you have kind of a, a tough decision to make because if you're going to work a real, quote unquote, real job, you're going to really have to do some early mornings and late nights, you know, after work or before work to get your workouts in where I saw this opportunity to coach, which allowed me to essentially be my own boss and formulate my own schedule around my training for, for professional lacrosse. So my, my priority coming out of school was to, to maximize my playing career. And I'm really, really fortunate and blessed to have, you know, the parents that I have and, and they supported me in many different ways and, and told me to pursue this dream. And and that allowed me to, I guess, form my schedule the way that I wanted to in order to prioritize my training and preparation for professional lacrosse. So the coaching business really was stemmed from, hey, like how many kids do I need to coach per week to pay, you know, my bills so that I can, you know, allocate X amount of hours to training and live the lifestyle of a professional athlete. And that's really how it started, but it, it spiraled into a real business model that has become my, my full-time job. So it started off as, you know, lessons going to people's backyards and, and coaching their kids and stuff like that. And it's spiraled into, you know, having, having my own facility in Norwood here and being able to add value to a lot of different coaches now as well. So it's spiraled into not only coaching athletes, but coaching coaches. That's great. I love the entrepreneurial spirit and hearing how people's businesses grow. So you start in people's backyard. I mean, how do you get uh, new clients to grow to the level where you're at today? Yeah, it's honestly, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like it's been just, it's been a hundred percent word of mouth. There's for some reason, I really do enjoy coaching like thoroughly and authentically. Like I, I just, those moments where I see an athlete start to get a little bit better. I just really, really enjoy that. And I think that authenticity show, like if a parent is watching me coach this kid, they know that it's authentic. I'm not there to grab a couple bucks and never talk to you again. You know, I, I really want to see that kid grow. So I think 
the authenticity of my coaching style and the ability to be patient. I think those two pillars have allowed me to have some real organic growth where it was actually pretty funny where like at first, when I first started this business, there was a lot of scenarios where a parent would have their athlete work with me and they would kind of get that like, Oh, like I don't want to tell people about you because I want, I only want you to work with my kid. You the know? secret weapon kind of started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that quickly transitioned to them, you know, telling other parents that this is the training that's happening. And so it really has been a complete word of mouth growth. And, you know, from what I understand about business, that's, that's the best way to do it. And it's gotten to the point now where, I've got opportunities to be more of a coach's coach and I'm trying to allocate my time accordingly to, to, to develop my business in a couple of different arenas. And I've kind of stopped marketing in some cases. Like I don't, you know, I don't post and be like, Hey, like, you know, email me. I, I got these open time slots. Like it's more just like, Hey, like if, if I've got a client that I feel like maybe, you know, they, they could be, um, pushed a little bit more if I could you know get one of their friends to join or if I could get someone of a similar skill level that's going to make them better and, and that's when I start to look to get more clients but I really am focusing more on developing my business as a as a consultant and a coach's coach right now than more of a private instructor sure nobody ever really talks about that hurdle when starting up a business that people want to be keeping as your secret weapon. But hey, I guess that's uh, something <laughs> that goes by the wayside at times. But Martin, yeah. let's get into some of the meat and potatoes here. Uh, we want to talk about some of your favorite drills that you like to do either with new clients, experienced clients, whatever the level is. But I want to know in the sport of lacrosse, do you have an expertise that people really seek you out for? That's a good question. You know, I think it's, if I were to pick something, it would probably be the individual attention. Like if I, if I were to pick an expertise, it would be like the individual skill set that it will take to compete at a high level. But I am also very, very broad in that I coach all positions. So one of, one of the core philosophies is like, you know, obviously a, a defender and a goalie and an attack are going to need some positional training and very different, you know, not only skill sets, but mindsets. But there's also a certain... Uh, threshold of skill that every single lacrosse player needs to be able to do and so I, I really just started by going extremely deep into into that threshold and you know you could think of that as just the fundamentals of, of playing lacrosse but it's more about like going as deep as I can in that uh, realm as opposed to trying to say that I'm an expert in everything which which is just obviously not true but it's it's you know, those core fundamental skills that every single lacrosse player needs to be able to do. I would say that's my expertise, but it, it, where, where I think I've, I've been able to develop as a, a coach and a person is the ability to relay that information to a wide variety of ages, skill types, genders, you know, and, and personalities and, and individual ambitions, right? Where Love if that. I've got a group, of athletes working together, you know, they're all going to have different goals in mind. Some of them are there because they want to have fun and, and their friends are there. Some of them are there because they want to go play college lacrosse one day. And, and I got to try to, you know, maximize that 60 minutes we have together. And so that's, you know, doing that for hours and hours and hours a day for years and years and years now has given me a, a bit of insight as to, you know, how to approach creating an environment as a coach to maximize what, what the athletes get out of it. Right. You got to gauge that middle ground sometimes. Well, we'd certainly yeah. love the fundamentals over here. And I know you mentioned that, and I think that's 
you know, if we could call it an, an expertise, that's certainly where yours starts. Let's say you have a new client, new to the sport. He's an athlete, plays a couple of different sports, but wanted to try out uh, this thing called lacrosse. Can you give us some drills, yeah. maybe your top three drills or so that you really like to train them with in order to get them yeah, involved absolutely. in the game to start? For sure, for sure. Before I hop into the drill, you know, what I need to know as the coach first and foremost is, you know, why do you want to get better, right? So mm-hmm. like I, I mentioned before is like, why are you here? And a lot of times they'll say, oh, I want to get better. And then, you know, why, right? So are we, you know, just looking to make the team this year and spend time with your friends? Or are we trying to be an all-star? Or are we trying to go play at the next level? So sometimes they haven't thought about that, and that's fine. But that also gives me a gauge. And then sometimes they have, right? So I have the same age kids. And sometimes one kid put hours of thought into his long-term goals, and the other kid hasn't thought about it once. So I like to get a gauge on that first. But, you know, as far as, like, the nitty-gritty of, like, the drills and stuff like that, it's going to be all predicated upon wall ball. Because when you play wall ball as a lacrosse player, for two reasons, it's the most effective way to practice for two reasons. One is that you can get the most amount of repetitions in the least amount of time. So you're able to be more efficient with your practice. And two is that you can you can actually practice any of the different skills that we could work on, whether it be, you know, different types of shooting techniques, different types of inside finishing, passing techniques, you know, footwork is kind of a different story. But when it comes to the skill of a lacrosse player and being able to control a ball and the stick, wall ball, AKA just throwing the ball off of a wall, but with particular focus point in mind is going to be the most effective way to practice and get the most out of your time. So I know it's kind of a vague answer, but we, we can get into more specific ways that you can use the wall to, to get better at specific skills, but it's all going to be in that environment. I mean, when you strip it back, it's fundamental. You throw the ball at the wall, you know, yeah. it's either it's going to bounce off a different way. Maybe you're using a different shot technique every time that is, that's truly fundamental. Everybody loves wall ball. I, I, like yeah. play baseball growing up, you play wall ball, play tennis yeah. growing up, you play wall ball. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. you mentioned yeah, uh, sure. you mentioned it works on every sort of aspect of, you know, maybe your shooting technique or several shooting techniques. Not quite on yep. the footwork drills though. Is is there some drills that you can talk to us about there that you really like to instill with your clients? Yeah, absolutely. We can incorporate obviously footwork with the wall ball where, you know, we're adding movement to what we're doing. So if you're gonna work on a shooting on the run technique. You could do it, but you'd be running alongside the wall or you could be running at the wall and practicing, you know, running at different angles while, you know, throwing in different directions. Like what I want, you know, at at its core, what I want for the athlete is I want I want them to feel confident that in any situation, you know, they've got a couple different options, you know. And so by you know introducing different movement patterns in relation to the target, whether it be a wall or the net you could start to get more specific on the footwork of, okay, in this situation, how do we want to alter our momentum to maximize, you know, our success rate? So a lot of the times what I'll focus on is, you know, having the athlete focus from like the bird's eye view. If you were to look down at yourself as you move around in space here, what's the best way to go about this? And, you know, as, as a rule, what I can speak on, I guess, in this environment where you know, hopefully people can uh, sort of envision this would be if, if you're running, straight ahead and your target is to your left um, when you throw that pass or take that shot the most common mistake is to continue running straight you know like so you're turning your body to to throw that ball or shoot that ball but your momentum carries you in, a, in, in the direction that you started 
And so one of the big things I really try to focus on for boys, girls, you know, all positions is when, when you're running in any direction, you know, a lot of times in lacrosse, the target actually isn't in the direction you're running. You're running to some space, but the target is somewhere else. And so as you release that ball, having the ability to control your body and control your momentum as you release it so that your momentum is being altered towards your target ends up being one of the biggest footwork things that I focus on with my athletes. Uh, on the other side of the ball, defensively, the footwork, you know, and you could just, you could take the stick out of the equation altogether for this, but the ability to uh, run in a straight line, slow down, and then backpedal, and then open up your hips. Like if you think about a cornerback in football, when that wide receiver takes off, you know, they backpedal, right? They're, they're maintaining gap control and then they're opening up their hips and they're, sw- and they're swiveling and then they're sprinting. You know, that's very similar to defense and lacrosse, but you don't start in that position like they do in football. You have to get yourself to that position. So there's just all these mechanics when, you know, that you're approaching the ball and, and where you are in the field is going to affect how you should approach the ball. So there's a lot of IQ and situational awareness that comes into it, but the ability to sprint, decelerate, and then backpedal is one of the, the, the core footwork techniques that, that I would want um, my athletes to learn. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate you walking us through some of those, those drills. I know our listeners always like it when we get technical um, here in these podcasts, so that's really helpful. And so, you know, switching gears a little bit, you know, we talked about the <clears throat> growth that you're seeing at Compete Lacrosse Academy and, you know, kind of the growth in the sport. That's what we're always uh, hearing about as well. Where do you see the future of lacrosse going? Sure. The growth, I mean, I can speak to the growth for sure, just from a volume standpoint. Like there's a lot of data behind the number of athletes playing the sport altogether. And I think where you see the most growth is at the high school and the college level, actually, where there's just more high school programs now and now there's more and more sanctioned college programs where you know they see opportunity to to get more you know kids to their school and things like that but when it comes to the future of the sport I mean it's in a really interesting spot right now so anyone who's like really following professional lacrosse knows that there's two pro leagues now Um, there's the PLL and there's the MLL and they're very different models where one is a traveling showcase essentially where you know, all the teams in that league will be in the same city every single week, but they'll only be in that city once, right? Whereas in the MLL, you know, there's Boston, there's Chesapeake, there's, you know, there used to be Dallas, now it's going to be Connecticut, you know, there's Denver. And in each of those cities, you know, they've got their home games, they've got their away games, like any other pro league that, that we know about, it's the same format as that. But the, the growth of the sport at the professional level is in a really interesting spot right now for the avid fan or uh, aspiring pro. I, I'd, be pretty, I'd be pretty curious as to how these next two, three years play out because you know, people ask me all the time, you know, do you think that the, the leagues are going to merge? You know, which league's going to fail? Which league's going to succeed? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's, but I'm, I'm sure curious to find out, you know, I, I, I don't have access to look under the hood of both leagues at the same time, but I think there's potentially a place for both of them, but who knows, maybe one will turn into more elite than the other, but it, it's really up in the air right now. But what I can say on the growth of the sport is that, 
you have seen a, an increase of volume of, of kids playing at the youth level and more programs sprouting out at youth, high school, and college. Mm-hmm. But there's, I think there's a little bit of a plateau happening right now, too, where, I mean, you know, this day and age, these kids just have so many options of how they could spend their time after school. And so I think that the, the growth has, has happened. I don't think it's, you know, going to stop altogether, but I think the main growth of the volume has kind of already peaked and now it's becoming more, it's becoming more serious, right? Like the, the skill level of middle school and high school kids right now is in my opinion, like light years ahead of where it was a decade ago. Like when I, you know, even three, four, five years ago, I would watch a middle school game and be like, yeah, these kids, you know, they'll, they'll be good in a couple of years. I, I watch middle school games now and I'm like, these kids have better stick skills than I did in college. Like, <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. Like it's, it's very real. Like, it, you know, I, as a individual didn't have great stick skills in college, but I had pretty good, you know, I, I, I did, I played offense, you know, I scored a lot of goals. Like it's just not the same. Like these kids are, they are becoming obsessed with it. So I see, you know, the volume growth has happened, but now the growth is becoming like it's the sport is taken more seriously and the talent level is, is showing for that. Sure. The good thing is you see that evolution in pretty much every sport. I mean, you look at uh, training camp for football years ago, guys actually used that time to get in shape and now they're in shape all year round, no doubt. So the, mm-hmm. it's a good thing that we're seeing that in the sport of lacrosse. Now we're talking about uh, these two different leagues, you know, whether one might be more elite than the other, whether they might both keep going strong. Any chance we're going to see you back out on that field at any point there, Martin? I would say it is about a hundred percent chance that you will. Yes. So oh, it's for, great. Um, Love it. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. This is, it's obviously important to me, you know, that's my future, but you know, for anyone who doesn't really know my story, I, I took a step back last summer because of multiple head injuries. So that's obviously a, a pretty a hot topic these days, which is, mm-hmm. you know, concussions and what that means. But this is, you know, I feel that I, I haven't hit my, my peak yet as a player. And so, you know, th- that, that could, I could have just lied to you guys. I don't know. I mean, a year could go by and I could say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on my business and I don't want to play, but <laughs> I, I don't see that realistically happening. I, I would say in about a year or two's time, the itch is going to be a little bit too real for me to avoid. You can take the stick from the man. You can't take the man from the stick, though. I don't know if that actually works, <laughs> but it's something along those same lines. Well, I know what you mean. All right. All right. Well, Martin, definitely appreciate the time here tonight. Before we let you go, we want to ask you a question that we asked all of our guests here at Hustle. We are all about the use of technology in your sports training. You yourself run Compete Lacrosse Academy. Do you utilize any tech in your training today? And where do you see the future of tech and lacrosse training going? Yeah, I use a good amount. So I didn't at first, but then I quickly realized that one one of the most important things for me as a coach is teaching the athletes how to self-audit. So one of the most you know helpful tools is while I'm coaching, I'll record a video um, of them you know, performing whatever skill, and then I'll show it back to them right away, right? Like we, in sports, we know the value of watching film, right? Watching a game and breaking that down and seeing, you know, developing your lacrosse IQ or whatever sport you play in situational awareness. But when you're trying to improve a technique, what you need to understand is is what you looked like on the rep before. If, if you're going to make a, an adjustment to your uh, mechanics, 
You know, if a coach tells you, hey, you know, raise your right elbow a little bit on the next rep. Well, if you don't know where your right elbow is on the last rep, how are you supposed to make that adjustment, right? Mm -hmm. So that's been really, really helpful for me to just use video feedback for these for these athletes, but it's it's in real time, right? So, you know, that's that's why I'm, you know, in the flesh working with these guys and girls. But it's spiraled into a couple different other opportunities where I've developed one or two different like course type models where I, I did a trial system this past fall of a subscription model where every single week I would send out a drill video to uh, my students and they would then perform that drill, but record themselves performing it. So part of what I would send them would be, like a drill video that I would edit and, and have coaching cues on of here's what I'm looking for, you know, maybe a couple of different angles and put some time into the edit. But then there'd be another video that would just be like a selfie video. Like, Hey, when you do this drill, you know, here's, here's where I want you to put your phone so you can see this view. And then I would just do it. So that would be like a raw video that didn't need much editing. And that would give them context as to how they should record themselves um, and then they'd send that content to me for evaluation. So it turns mm. into my version of online coaching, <clears throat> which in that case would be, I guess, more of like my premium model, right? Because that that's going to require, you know, my attention to then go in and provide that feedback and, you know, log that time of, of actually watching the content that they create for me. But really what I'm after is, you know, teaching these athletes how to get more effective practice on their own time. You know, that's one of the core pillars of my, of my business model. You know, these kids come to work with me and they, you know, they get better, they have fun while they're there, but, but then what, right. And I want to be able to give them enough context to continue the development on their own time. And so through the use of technology, in this case, you know, just video feedback, that's something that I'm really passionate about pursuing and continuing to pursue and, and try to perfect a couple different versions of that, you know, to give these athletes more, more context as to how to have more purposeful practice on their own time. So, and then just one other thing that, that I've been experimenting with, there's this app called switched on training. So they don't, you know, I don't have a, a sponsorship deal with them. So I'm not getting paid to talk about it uh, per se, but it's been extremely helpful to implement both in my in-person trainings, but also give them something to try to mess around with when they're on their own. And it's basically an app where you get to choose different types of stimuli. Maybe it's colors, maybe it's numbers, maybe it's arrows. And then you also get to choose how long that stimuli is going to display on the screen and then how long of a delay before the next stimuli pops up. So uh, as an example, what I've used that for is, let's say I, I have numbers written on the wall. And I've got a one over to the left, and I've got a two over to the right. And then I've got a cone on the ground that's a green cone. And if I choose one, two, and green as the stimuli, and then I set it at, let's say, you know, it's going to display for a second, and then there's going to be a second delay before the next one pops up. Now they've got this neurological, you know, variable here that it's not just about can you do this, you know, throw to the left, and can you do this throw to the right? can you react in real time to this stimuli with good form, right? And, and now I get to take a step back as a coach and not only look at technique, but look at their, you know, their, their literal neurological uh, response time. And then I can change the settings, you know, to try to challenge them accordingly. And uh, it's been really, really helpful. Wow. That's uh, something that we haven't come across yet, but that's very innovative, no doubt. Going back to 
the online training you were talking about, I see that uh, that is a tab on your website there, competelacrosseacademy.com. And of course, I know you're also helping us out a little bit on the Hustle app, so people can definitely find you there and and track down your videos there in order to get that that one-on-one type of uh, type of training from anywhere in the country. So yeah, yeah, just to speak on the Hustle app too, where like I actually got involved with with you guys through Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. Matt, the owner of Hustle, actually reached out to me via Instagram DM and started talking to me a little bit about what he's working on with Hustle training and. It's obviously right up my alley with uh, my passion to try to learn about, you know, how, how can I help kids get better if I'm not physically there? And this seemed like a, a really good opportunity to work, you know, with a company that's that's putting that at the forefront of their mission. And so I'm really interested to work, continue to work with you guys and create some premium content that, you know, will really help people get better. And so you know, I'm a big pre- proponent of, you know, kind of like jab, 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 right hook as a businessman where and I stole that quote from Gary Vee, but I want to not only provide value for free, but I want to build trust, right, with all my clientele so that when I do put out something that's a paid product, you know, I've already established that relationship with them so that they know that, you know, I have their best interest in mind. This isn't just a money grab. I, I want to help you get better. And that's something that I think Hustle is taking to heart as well. And so sure. I'm excited to continue to work with you guys. Well, that feeling is certainly mutual. Appreciate all the help you're doing with the app on the lacrosse training. I also appreciate your time here tonight speaking to us. A little bit of an extended interview, but that's all right. You know, we don't get to talk to lacrosse coaches, lacrosse trainers too often. So I think it, it was definitely a good opportunity. Before we let you go, though, we got we to gotta get into some, something we do with all of our coaches. It's a little rapid fire round. We're just going to throw some questions at you. You're the lacrosse goalie right now. We're taking some shots. You just got to save them all. Sound good? All right, I'll do my best. All right. Well, I'm going to start here where I always start. What is your favorite sports movie of all time? Space Jam. I knew it. I knew that was the answer. I guess you didn't mention <laughs> yeah, that one. Came that. <laughs> yeah. Forefront. So my question is, who are – Can I take maybe... a second one? Yeah, go for it. Before you – next question, Coach Carter. Okay, good Coach one too. Carter. Love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. name Linda. I forget the name. Yeah, but okay, got a big character with these guys. Got to build some character. <laughs> Can't just be Bugs Bunny all day. <laughs> all right, my question is, who are maybe your top three lacrosse heroes of all time? That's a great question. Jim Brown, I, w- I, I would have to say Brody Merrill. I was able to be teammates with him. And let's see. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but it's actually a player who's younger than me. His name's Lucas Buckley. He plays for Ohio State right now. He's a senior captain for them. But he's one of the only guys that I like. I get like so fanboy when I watch him. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait till he gets the ball. Like I get so excited, and I think he's a little bit of a hero in a, to me in a way because he kind of embodies that like you know that wholesome like college lacrosse. Like he's an outstanding student. You know, and I was an okay student and I was okay in college and, you know, I've made an okay name for myself in the professional ranks and things like that. But I, I, I really look up to him in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, awesome. I got to give him a shout. That's great. That's okay. And I think he definitely appreciates that too. I know he's listening out there. Okay. Uh, I well, want... I'll make him listen to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll shoot him that DM. Yeah. I want to know, you just finished up a game at the professional level. What is the best post-game meal to recharge? Best post-game meal? That's a good question. I would say it's got to be, you know, I, I made the mistake earlier on in my career of thinking that I needed to get like a ton of calories right away and ended up having 
not necessarily issues from that, but I just think I wasn't super in tune with my own body, at least to the level that I am now. One of the things that I would say, you know, to give context to people out there is what helped me is understand the difference between being in a, a parasympathetic and a sympathetic state, right? When, when you're playing uh, a sport at a high level, a lot of times you enter that sympathetic state or, you know, some people call it fight or flight mode. And it's also widely understood that you don't want to be digesting food in fight or flight mode. You know, same reason you don't want to eat while you're walking to work or, you know, you want to be sitting down, you want to take some deep breaths and you want to let your body enter that digestive parasympathetic rest and relaxation state before you eat. So one of the things that helped me, you know, post game is really letting everything like let the adrenaline come down, you know, like enter the locker room and, and just focus on replenishing fluids first. And, and once I would enter, you know, more of that parasympathetic state, it's not, you know, nothing new. It's healthy, whole food, you know, some vegetables, maybe a, a lean protein source and, and, and maybe some fast digesting carbs, like some rice, but maybe just some, some slower carbs, like a sweet potato or quinoa or something like that. But I think, you know, what's really helped me get better at, at recovering as a whole and, and nutrition as a whole is understanding that, like, you know, I, I get a lot of kids are like, oh, what's like the best pregame meal? And like, you know, you guys, the, the postgame, like it's it's important. But like if you're if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you, you shouldn't need to change your diet on game day. It, it really shouldn't change by much. Maybe there's a little bit of a, a higher volume of, of work that you just put in and it's at a higher intensity, right? You can't you can't replicate game speed at, at practice. You try to, but it's just not the same. So maybe, you know, there's a little bit more of a delay before you really end up relaxing but ideally you know as, as an athlete that's trying to take their nutrition game extremely seriously you know you should be eating like it's game day every day yeah i can tell you take it seriously good stuff i eat like it's game day regardless so <laughs> that's right year round Keep it, yeah i mean like a lot of this stuff too like i i didn't learn you know the deeper techniques of like all these different recovery strategies of you know how to you know use breathing techniques to to enter a, a parasympathetic state and you know how to maximize and, and and really focus on you know what are the best nutrients you should be having yada yada like i was it was in my later 20s that i was like oh <laughs> you know this is you know this is what i'm supposed to be doing and it's interesting man because you know most people if you play college sports like you're already in a minority right and like you know these kids are 18 to 21 22 years old supposed to be in their prime and like it's just not the case, you know, like there's just so many things that there is to learn. And, you know, while I'm on this topic, I don't want to go on a soapbox or anything like that, but like, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you hear uh, this phrase, like only worry about what you can control. Right. And so a lot of times that comes from coaches in regards to, you know, an athlete that gets too down on himself over making a mistake or, you know, he gets upset with the referees or, you know, focusing on things that you don't have control over. Right. But, what I think isn't talked about enough is there's so many things that these athletes can control that they're just unaware of right now, right? Whether it's a nutrition strategy, whether it's breathing techniques, you know, these different stretches and deep tissue massages, you can be giving yourself, you don't need to be paying hundreds of dollars every week to go see a massage therapist. You can just lie on a lacrosse ball and, and, and learn how to utilize gravity to, to give yourself a massage. And there's, there's a lot that goes into how well you're going to perform on any given day and I think athletes need to be, you know, I think woken up to the fact that there's so many things they can be doing that they just don't know about yet. And so now the game becomes, you know, what's your learning curve? How quickly, you know, can you learn all these different strategies? Because they help. 
Yeah, and these are the things that set elite players out from really, really great players. That's that's yep. the thing. Um, one question that I have is, what company makes the best lacrosse stick, in your opinion? Well, in this case, I am biased, and it's uh, thinking. <laughs> Say it again. Uh, I've been. It's String King. String King. Okay. String King. Yep. So I've been uh, a sponsored athlete. I've been very, very lucky to. Uh, work with them for a couple of years now, uh, but given that bias, take this with a grain of salt. I truly do believe it, it, it's the best product on the market for in the best bang for your buck. They have they have products that are a hundred dollars that are you know I could pick that up and play with it in a pro game and it would it would be fantastic. You know they've got products that are close to the two hundred fifty dollars where you know that some of the other you know top of the line sticks from other companies you might see, but it, it's you know at the same time like just to throw my other two cents in here like. You know, I get asked all the time, like, oh, what type of gloves do you use? What type of – like, at this, you know, at this day and age, like, everything is good. Like, everything works, you know. Like, it doesn't matter what stick you use. But it, it really does matter what, what mesh style you, you actually have in your stick because if you, if you, like, tie a certain string too tightly, your stick will not throw well. That's a fact. So you do have to be in tune with that. But that comes down to less about the stick you use and more about – uh, you as a lacrosse player, you becoming in tune with how you can make little adjustments to your stick as the season goes on and as your pocket starts to bag out, you're going to need to adjust that to make sure that, you know, it doesn't start throwing into the ground on you. So that's important. All right. Last one for me here, coach, if you weren't playing lacrosse, what sport would you be playing? It would either be, I mean, oh man, I freaking love sports. I, like I, I always <laughs> told myself, I like, I love volleyball. And, and like people don't really know this about me, but volleyball is the same sport, uh, same season rather as lacrosse. I loved volleyball growing up, but I really like beach volleyball. Like, you know, if I were to play six on six volleyball in the, in the little mini court, like maybe I wouldn't like it as much, mm -hmm. but that was up there for me. I mean, basketball was my first love, like hands down. I fell in love with basketball real early and it actually really translated well for me um, as a lacrosse player. I do think that basketball is the, the most similar sport to lacrosse and, in the movement patterns and, and team strategy concepts, people usually say that it's hockey, but I, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think it's more like basketball than anything, but I would also say tennis. Uh, tennis is really hard, but like the agility that comes with it, I'm fascinated by and really impressed with, with tennis athletes. So I'd like to like to be able to do that. That'd be cool. Interesting. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Beach volleyball, very underrated. Well, Coach, yeah. appreciate your time here again tonight. Again, this is Martin Bose. You can check him out on Instagram and Twitter at MJ Bose. That's B-O-W-E-S on the last name there. Also check out his website, Compete. Not That's C-O-M-P-E-T-E, lacrosseacademy.com. Coach, appreciate your time. I know we'll be checking in with you down the line. But until then, take care, all right? Guys, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being uh, being on the show, and hopefully I was able to add some value to your listeners. And, yeah, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon.